You're listening to the Week Ahead podcast from Strong Towns, hosted by me, Rachel Quedno. This is your chance to catch up on the latest events and goings-on behind the scenes of the Strong Towns organization. Tune in every Monday for more updates. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Week Ahead podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and my guest today is Strong Towns member and contributor, Alexander Dukes. He's been writing for us for the last couple years, and he's been hard at work on an ongoing series called A Town Well Planned. And we'll get to talking about that in a minute. But first, uh, Alexander, welcome to the Strong Towns podcast. Hi, it's uh, great to be here and finally talk to you, Rachel. Yeah. So can you take like 30 seconds to just tell us a little bit about yourself um, for our audience that doesn't know you? Okay. Well, uh, I'm Alexander Dukes. Uh, I uh, grew up, was born and uh, raised most of my life in uh, Albany, Georgia, which is um, a a medium-sized town, I would say, or city in uh, uh, southwest Georgia. It's a very family-oriented town. You know, it's not real flashy, but, you know, I like it, like it well enough. I guess sort of central to my uh, development as a uh, person and sort of now an urban planner is that uh, when I was in um, my uh, second year of high school, when I completed it, I moved to uh, California. And so that was kind Mm -hmm. of a huge change for me. And I completed my last two years of uh, high school in California and just basically saw like a whole different part of the country and uh, a whole different type of development and culture and everything. And then I uh, enrolled uh, in college at Tuskegee University, which is in Alabama, and I got my degree in political science there. As I came out of there and was uh, sort of figuring out the job market, um, I ran into, browsing on YouTube, a um, TED Talk done by uh, James Howard Kunstler. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is the TED talk. If I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, he kind of rants about <laughs> and well, rants. You know, he had a reasoned argument, but it was one of his great rants that he he tends to do, and it was awesome. Like it just blew my mind about how urban development has sort of started off through history and was sort of limited by walking and sort of limited amount of technology people had back before the 20th century when you really had modern uh, construction and and uh, mass production. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, that really got me interested in Auburn planning. And I was uh, living in Auburn at the time, which is about 15 minutes from Tuskegee. And I was like rooming uh, with, uh, with one of my great friends. And I was like, hey, Auburn has a uh, planning program. So I'll just enroll there and get my master's in planning. And so I did. Basically, the inspiration for a town well-planned uh, as I was matriculating through Auburn's program, you know, I kind of began to see that planning, unlike architecture, and I had a, a uh, an uncle that was an architect and some amount of pressure for me to take architecture at Tuskegee. Unlike architecture, there's no set method of doing planning. It's kind of very haphazard. And that bothered me while I was at the program. Uh, one of my professors, John Batari, brought up the fact and mentioned the fact, really, it's not really zoning that's the problem. It's really the way we do, we subdivide land. And that's planting the streets mm-hmm. and laying out the 
the blocks and the, the parcels and all that. And I was like, well, I thought that was an interesting comment. So I started to investigate it more. And then I call, came across a uh, website called masterstreetplans.com. And that was run by uh, Mr. Paul Knight, who's an archi architect who graduated from Georgia Tech. And he had done a uh, series of lectures at uh, CNU and uh, the Georgia uh, APA division about master street plans and how, you know, before 20th century really got going, the way a city was laid out was an architect or some type of engineer or something like that laid out the streets and parcels were divided up among the blocks formed by the streets. And then people bought those parcels and built you know, buildings on them and develop the land. And we stopped doing that around uh, the 1930s, 1940s, and certainly after World War II, when they came out with the uh, Standard Zoning Enabling Act. And basically planning became zoning at that point. And it essentially was legislation that was, it wasn't laid down by the federal level, but it was influenced greatly by, you know, housing advocates and and such in the FHA and all that. And that's how we ended up with zoning being the main means of planning. Thus, a town will plant. And uh, my professor, John Bertari, is actually the first person that mentioned strong towns to me as well. So he's also responsible in a large way for me being here. So, Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I didn't actually know how you had initially found strong towns. So that's mm -hmm. cool to hear. So what made you decide to do this series specifically? And you, you focus on the Auburn Mall site, which uh, is close to where you went to university, mm -hmm. it sounds like. Um, how did you choose that and what like inspired you to create this whole plan for kind of, I don't know, would it be accurate to call it your dream town? Uh, no, I don't think it would be accurate to call it that. But <laughs> I decided on the Auburn Mall site for a few reasons. I had worked in Birmingham, Albany, Columbus, Georgia. I decided on the Auburn Mall site because Auburn is sort of unique in that it's a place that has that, in, especially in the, being in the South, uh, that still has very good urbanism or a good urban environment. You know, there's a downtown and it's thriving and there's a clear block layout. And it hasn't been destroyed by a highway or, or, or other types of things that could threaten it. In, th in fact, it's getting better in recent years. You couldn't really say the same of Albany. I mean, Albany has a downtown. <laughs> and now, now people are going to be mad because I'm sort of downing my own city. But <laughs> I mean, it has a downtown, but it's just declined because in Albany's case, too, it's a mall. My uh, grandparents and great aunt talked about this, where they took the mall the downtown and put it all in the mall and then people didn't go downtown anymore except for the library and other essential government functions yeah the albany mall was is far away it's like in the suburbs you know and i could have done that one but it's adjacent to essentially a highway and then you know that doesn't work too well with clustering it in an urban place mm. basically auburn was the best you know in the sense that it was the mall was sort of in the city and it was based around regular city streets and not like a Georgia State Highway or something like that. Yeah. And that was just the best location. So how do you feel about this series now that you are finally done? I know it's been it's been an ongoing thing for several months, kind of building up to the final plan. And what do you think of it now that it's finished? 
uh, I'm kind of <laughs> relieved it's over because it yeah, was, it was <laughs> really way harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> and it, it, it took a whole lot of research, but I think I'm, I'm proud of what I did and, and I want to build off of it and yeah. sort of explore what I call the three-part system of like regulating town development. I want to explore it more maybe after I write about some other things, <laughs> but I want a sort of systemic way to think about a place and then say, this is what we need to do here. <laughs> and yeah. there's not, that doesn't exist for planning. It's just haphazard, I would, I would say. Yeah. Have you spoken to anybody in Auburn about making this happen or has there been a response from anybody in that area? I, you know, I've shown it to my old professors at Auburn, and I'm pretty sure somebody at the city is aware of it, but <laughs> I don't think the landowners uh, would appreciate, you know, me subdividing their land. Too much. So I don't think it's it's not going to happen anytime soon, I would say, because they've got some good business going on there. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you, this is sort of unrelated, but I know that you're a community planner in the Air Force. And what does that what does that look like? Like, what is your day to day responsibilities? Uh, the main my main responsibility uh, in my office is to do what they call siting. And so I site buildings uh, and make sure all the, the, the regulations and environmental uh, constraints that we have and other constraints having to do with, you know, like uh, anti-terrorism type things and mm-hmm. what's the distance you have to be back from the street and all that. I make sure like new buildings that they're building are in compliance with that. And so I'm at the planning process. And then there's another process in terms of getting things built. Then they go to the programming process and then the design process. And then they have like life cycle type process where they maintain it and everything. You'd be surprised. It's actually um, pretty similar to being a city planner. It's just that you don't hear about it that much because, you know, it's, it's the military and, you know, we don't talk that much about, you know, what, what people do on military bases. But a lot of it, they actually do talk about like walkability because they want the, the airmen and the, the soldiers and the, the sailors to be uh, healthy and not be driving all the time. And a lot of military base, bases were planned in a suburban model and they actually talk about fixing that and filling in green spaces and all that and they actually talk about a lot of uh what we talk about as well so and it's not that different from city planning it's just you have you know different constraints that you have to uh, to deal with that makes sense i mean a base is in some ways like a sort of a mini town or community right yeah you have a you have a shopping center a gas station like a city hall type of thing <laughs> in the industrial areas. Well, I've really appreciated reading this series, especially um, the Townwell Plan series. As somebody who doesn't have a formal planning background, it was a really good way for me to kind of um, learn some of the terminology, to be honest, and just see it applied. Like, you know, there's, there's so many words that planners use that the average person is like, what does that mean? Like, what is a setback? Um, but then when it's, when it's explained clearly, like you did in your series, it's like, okay, I totally understand what that is and I can understand how it would be applied and why it's important. So I, and many other of our readers definitely appreciated that. And it was really fun to follow the, the kind of trajectory and construction of this design. Oh, well, thank you. That's what, that's one of the things we really got to work on as planners is breaking down the, the terminology and the, and the lingo 
that we have that's, you know, sort of very, very foreign to a lot of people and making it more uh, accessible for everybody. So for our listeners, I'm going to mention just a few updates. Um, first of all, we had so many new members join us recently that once again, it's too many to list in this podcast, but I want to thank everyone who has joined us as a member this past week. We also have two upcoming events. Tuesday, January 30th, Chuck is speaking in Kansas City, Missouri at a public event. And Friday, February 2nd, he's also speaking in St. Cloud, Minnesota um, at a big conference. So I'll post information about attending both of those if you are in Missouri or Minnesota, uh, head on down and join us for these events. The last thing that I ask my guests on this podcast is, have you been listening to any interesting podcasts or reading any interesting books or even watching any interesting TV shows lately? Um, does not have to be Strong Towns related. Just um, what's what's been your media consumption lately? Uh, well, one book I'm quote unquote reading is actually listening to the audiobook. Uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel by Derek uh, Diamond. And uh, I'm very interested in history. And uh, I read um, 1491, uh, and that was extremely enlightening. And uh, Amazon's sort of hooked me. <laughs> yeah. And they recommended this book, so I'm reading this one, and it's very, very interesting as well. Yeah, that's kind of a classic. I've been meaning to read that, but I have not have not done it yet, so... Cool. Well, thank you so much, Alexander, for being on this podcast, for being a member and contributor at Strong Towns. And I'm excited to see what you're what you'll think about writing next um, now that this series is finished. Maybe automated buses will come up next, but it's great been great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Okay, thanks so much. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.